coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. You've got Q's, we've got A's. It's our 250th-ish episode spectacular. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, now I'm shouting at you. How are you? I'm doing so good. What What is up with this? We're both like defaulting to kind of a, a, a higher volume. Yeah, I feel like I generally speak really loud. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, I'm a big mouth. Uh-huh. And, uh, That's what we call you, big mouth. We were talking about, I can't remember what it was earlier, like the Decemberists or something. <laughs> And I realized that I was shouting at you. It's just the two of us in your apartment. It's yeah, not like we're like no a crowded like bar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, we have uh, passionate things to say about the Decemberists, and, I guess. And I think we're just excited in general yes. to be celebrating our 250-ish Ish. episode spectacular. Although, mm. in a neat bit of kismet, we are actually recording this before we record the news episode that will be our 250th episode. Yes, because as many of you know, we start recording this show on Monday night at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be put in a position where we are starting the second episode at like 9.30. Exactly. No, thank you. That's bedtime. That's <laughs> A, that's bedtime. And B, we usually do it. We usually start the second episode mm-hmm. at like 9.30. But this one, I want to make sure that we had all the time in the world. So, uh, you know, check the uh the timestamp on the end of this episode is it all the time in the world have we done it have we podcasted to the end of time we 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 might have we might have there's no way to know at this point because you guys did such a good job of sending in questions for us to answer but before we get to that yeah here's another thing that you can email us about borrowing my copy of sonic forces it's super easy yeah you send us an email mm-hmm. with your mailing address or a mailing address that you want sonic forces to go to yes you get put on a list when it's your turn on the list patrick shoots you an email and he's like hey do you still want sonic forces or like did well, you sober up and you're i usually you don't, i usually mistake. don't offer that out usually <laughs> i say do you still live at this address oh there you go because <laughs> you've already signed that contract that's right. that's right i apologize if your name is on this list you will get sonic forces patrick someday. sends it to you mm-hmm. it, he includes return postage yes it costs you nothing nothing it's the easiest thing in the world so get on that list all you gotta do is email us at nintendo cartridge society at gmail.com um here's another thing we're trying to do we're trying to get to 100 reviews on apple podcasts that's right we i look like multiple times a week to see if we're getting reviews because they fill me with joy every time we get one that's right outside validation very important to us and although i'm checking apple podcasts here in the u.s we would really appreciate it if you rate and review this show wherever you get this podcast. All reviews are welcome, so long as they're at least uh, semi-positive, right? Right. Constructive criticism accepted. Yes, we will happily take that. Hey, Mark, speaking of constructive criticism, let's get into the topic of this week's show and all of our listener questions. All right, so we've got a 
a lot of these. That's right. To celebrate our 250-ish episode spectacular, we asked you guys to write in to us with any questions you have, Nintendo-related, not Nintendo-related, and you answered the call like the champs you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the, we've got something like 30 emails here to go through, so this is going to take as long as it takes. Yep. <laughs> uh, I've we, cleared my schedule. That's right. We are committed to you just as you committed to us. Um, Mark, would you, would you, do you have a, a question there that you would like to s- start us off with? Yeah, let's just get into it. <clears throat> this comes from Andrew. My name is Andrew. I'm a big, albeit recent, fan of yours. I was stoked to find out you guys have roots in the improv comedy world. It really does make sense to me because every other podcast I listen to regularly is filled with comedy stars of the UCB world. What I would like to know is, in what ways have Nintendo and comedy intermingled in your life? Does your passion for comedy influence your video game consumption or vice versa? Personally, I find myself attracted to more vibrant and colorful IPs and charming witticism in video games over edginess or grittiness. I do believe my sense of humor plays a large part in the games I take interest in. Uh, well, that's an interesting question, because uh, I, I do think that there, uh, there's a more direct uh, kind of connection between uh, studying comedy and my taste in video games, um, but has less to do with uh, like finding games funny. Um, I, one of the things that uh, UCB specifically teaches is uh, the idea of game in a scene or in a sketch, which is uh, you find the one unusual or interesting thing, and then you find as many different ways to play that idea. So you're, uh, you know, effectively every scene is just one joke, you know, nine times or whatever. Uh, And that is what I'm drawn to most in video games is when an individual level or even a game is like, we have one great idea. Here are all the different ways that that great idea can be put into practice. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, it's something Nintendo specifically does Mm -hmm. really well. You hear all the time about their development process, which is something like they come up with a fun gameplay mechanic and then they decide what ip like what characters or what like original characters the game should be based around instead of like the other way around where they're like okay we got to make a new mario game how do what are we going to do right um but i I think there's also just like another side of it too that's just like i like to have fun like (laughs) uh, have fun is one of my like primary concerns with a video game is am i having fun doing it um I have had uh, too many friends and gone through maybe like too many periods in my life where I was playing video games as like some kind of weird obligation to the game. Um, And I mostly don't do that anymore. Like if I'm playing a game, I'm having fun doing it. So I feel like that's kind of connected to comedy. Yeah, completely. And I agree with Andrew where like I don't really like games or any media that takes itself super seriously. And that's because. I don't take myself very seriously. I take very few things very seriously. Yeah. And so it's difficult for me, or I take serious things seriously, but you know what I mean? But like, I do, I do. The things that like don't matter, like video games, when they take themselves too seriously, you're just kind of like, eh. Well, and I, I always, whenever a game is taking itself very seriously, and this is true actually of, of movies, of comics, of TV shows, anything, um, Whenever they're uh, approaching a, a serious topic, I want to know that they are approaching it with like the gravity the topic deserves, um, or with like an amount of expertise that the the topic deserves. So something like uh, uh, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, um, they had a lot of they did a lot of research into living with uh, mental illness and like what that it would be like as a sensory experience, and that shows uh, in the game. And so like that is an example of a game tackling a serious topic and like doing it seriously 
and like being responsible about it. And I don't always, uh, my, my default isn't to assume that everyone is approaching uh, heavy topics uh, responsibly. But it for sure can be done in games. Totally. Yeah. From time to time. But if we're just going to be like a, a fat little plumber cartoon running around, jumping and having a great time, like, I'm there. I'm on board. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andrew says, I'm also curious to know what podcast podcasts you guys listen to, video game related or not. Any recommendations? So I listen to a few video game co- podcasts. I like Acts of the Blood God, which is uh, usgamer.net, their RPG podcast mm-hmm. with Cat Bailey and Nadia Oxford. Um, I also listen to Retronauts. That's pretty much, I think, the major like the video game podcast I listen to. I listen to a lot of history podcasts and a lot of like filmmaking and theme park podcasts. A lot of theme park podcasts. Mm-hmm. What are your theme park podcasts? Um, I listen to uh, a show called Retro WDW, mm-hmm. which it's like um, four people who actually just started a nonprofit organization to chronicle. Walt Disney World or like Disney Company history. Cool. And they basically talk about, you know, the D- Disney World that they grew up with in the 70s and 80s and do a lot of research, get some really great interviews on. Um it's comes out like once a month. It's a really good show. Yeah. Cool. Um so I get for for me, um I do listen to video game podcasts. I uh I subscribe to um IGN's Nintendo podcast, the uh, what is N- it? Nintendo, Nintendo voice, voice chat, um, and then I, I dip in and out on um, Beyond um, the the their PlayStation podcast, and I'm a, a, a longtime fan of um, Game Scoop. I think Damon Hatfield is one of the uh, very good uh, video game podcasters. I think he's great. Um, I also dip in and out of Kind of Funny's content. Um, uh, I, I like that Greg Miller a lot. So uh, any anytime he's hosting a kind of funny games daily, I'm I'm there for it. Um, but their coverage has gotten very uh, like focused on like games as service uh, games. So uh, when they're talking about like Destiny or Destiny Two or The Division or uh, The any- Division Two, <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, or no, what was the one that just came out? Anthem. Anthem is the one. Um, all these games, I'm like, oh, I don't care about this at all. Um, I've been quick, quick to duck out of those. And then I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts as, as well. So, um, you know, Comedy Bang Bang, Freedom uh, uh, with special guest Lauren Lapkus, uh, and then the Doughboys I listen to. Love, love the Doughboys. Uh, and then uh, I listen to Pod Save America and Trumpcast on Slate. Um, and we'll dip in and out of a lot of stuff that Slate puts out because I think they do some interesting audio programming. Um, yeah, I would say that that's... And then, of, of course, uh, uh, I listen to my own other show, Same Day Shipping, uh, and Teen Creeps. Uh, Kelly has been on this show before. Uh, you know, they, they talk about YA Pulp Fiction, um, and that is a good show, whether Mark or I are on it or not, because we have both been on it, but it, it's, it's a good show all the time. Finally, Andrew asks, do you guys have any plans for a live podcast anytime soon? Oh, we have not talked about doing another live show. No, th- we've only done one. It yep. was uh, E3 last year that we did in collaboration with the... Unranked podcast. That's right. That's right. Um, but no, we should do one again. Yeah. Th- that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, and that would likely be something that would happen here in LA because we're not at a place where we would travel with the show, I don't think. I mean, unless you know you want to invite us to... Look, if you want to invite us to your living room, to, to you have to guarantee a crowd of at least... 12 people <laughs> yeah in a living room that should be plenty <laughs> that's plenty 
Uh, all right, cool. Uh, I thank will, you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much. Um, so here I've got uh, two emails from uh, Elliot. I'll start with the first one. Um, hi, Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. I have a two-part question for your upcoming listener question episode. I was wondering if the choice was yours. If the choice was yours, who would you elect to be president of Nintendo of America, regardless of their background? And if you guys had the job, uh, what would be your first executive order? Who would I elect? Who as would president you elect of Nintendo of America? I don't know that I have a good answer for this because I feel like Nintendo of America has been pretty well run. I don't know that I would do anything necessarily different. Yeah, well, and because you also sort of wonder like what real. I mean, I, I'm sure Reggie is Reggie was doing things that, uh, you know, more than just like our like uh, the customer facing stuff. But I almost feel like they mostly take their orders from Japan. Right. Yeah. And just sort of that like seems to be the vibe you get. Yeah. And like, tell us how to package this thing for American audiences. Yeah. From what I can tell, it seems like the position is a lot of uh, like marketing stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure a lot of logistics. Yeah, but totally. as far as like creative decisions and like game development decisions, that seems to all come out of Japan. Yeah, totally. And I, I, there probably is a lot of like, um, you know, deciding what to bring over to the states. Like, I'm sure that uh, NOA has a lot to do with that. Um, so, and a know. lot of like when they introduce something like, how much should we charge for it? Yeah, should it become in a bundle? Which like holiday bundles should yeah, we? Yeah, totally. Like all that stuff that is very complicated. Yeah. So, I don't know, some 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 businessman. <laughs> but like a nice businessman. I totally want like a nice businessman. Like Doug Bowser maybe? I don't think that's an option in this scenario. <laughs> uh but uh, just for the sake of conversation, I will say that I will elect Mark Mitchell and I shall elect Patrick Ellers. Very good. Uh what would our first executive order be? <sighs> Man. You know, you know what I'm going to do? Yeah, please. I'm going to do it. Mother three, mother three comes out. You're just doing it for popularity. You don't want to yeah, make the hard choices. Of course, of course. That and that is not a hard choice. It would probably cost a ton of money because, like, you have to. There's like music licensing problems and like character licensing problems, um, right? The the thing is like wrapped up in some weird legal mumbo jumbo. But I would get it out. I'd spend the money, figure out a way to put it out, and put it out. I also think there could be some like questionable racial component to it or like mm-hmm. st- like caricatures that wouldn't really fly here um that's the rumor of what like actually killed its release because i think the other rumor is that it had art it has been localized essentially yeah like the work is done but it's just never been released you know what i i would i would give the people what they want and bring an n64 classic edition whatever oh i had to do to make that happen with golden eye and banjo kazooie on it yeah, so we're making big promises. <laughs> but that's what being president is all about. Okay, so Elliot sends a follow-up email and says, I just thought of another question while listening to this week's episode on the flight. Um, if you could only have one Mario power-up... Wait, hold on. If you, could, if you could have one Mario power-up, what would it be? So this isn't, I guess, while playing Mario. I assume this is in oh, real in, life. Oh, in real life. Right. The only catch is the power-up power activates for only three minutes once every three months. Um, I think the Tanuki suit would be great. Yeah. What would you do with that Tanuki suit? Just be adorable? And just, you know, like, hover around. Right. You know. Turn into a statue. Just being, like, cute. (laughs) You know, not have to go upstairs. Just kind of hover. Uh, so on that same topic, I would say, I would say the B 
from mm. Super Mario Galaxy 2. I think from the first one. Maybe the first one, yeah. Because yeah. um, uh, I like honey. Uh, crawl around in it all day long. Uh, I can fly a little bit. And uh, I could avoid getting wet for three minutes, I think. <laughs> also, adorable, right? Yeah, they should bring that bee suit back. I agree. Thank you, Elliot. Good question. Uh, our next question comes from Jason. Having been a listener since nearly the beginning of NCS, it's always impressed me that your show had so many of its features and music set from episode one. The show has become better over time, but it started out surprisingly polished. Thank you, Jason. That's actually re- really nice of you to say. Nobody ever go back and listen to those first episodes. That's right. No one has permission to do that. <laughs> what was your experience in podcasting prior to NCS, and how did it contribute to your development of the show? Um, like examples, the 8-Bit Betty's Music, 433, keeping the commonly mm. bloated off-topic beginning segment short. Uh, so I had not had much experience in podcasting before. Yeah, uh, I think so. I had recorded a couple episodes of of a podcast called My Name Is Weezer um, with my friend and one of our previous guests, Jen Kleinrock. Um, it was just all about the band Weezer, and we recorded the first like six or seven of those episodes um, years ago and just like shelved them um, forever. And so I, I don't remember whether that was already out, and then you and I uh, started working on this show, or if they came out at about the same time. But th- this was the this show was the first time that I was doing like a regular weekly podcast. Yeah, and I I had listened to a lot of podcasts before, but this was definitely my first experience like participating in one or producing a podcast or anything like that. Yeah. Um. And so the the uh, their question about like the the format or yeah, and like uh, how did it contribute? How did our previous experience contribute to the development of this show? It's actually weird because this show kind of came out fully formed. Like when we were first talking about it, Patrick had the idea for 433 and felt very strongly that that was something we wanted to include. Mm -hmm. Um, And it took us a little bit of time to figure out how we wanted to, um, I don't know, like it was always a goal to keep it Nintendo focused and to not get too sidetracked in our own like nonsense. Um, yeah, but well, if you go back yeah. and listen to the earlier episodes, there definitely were times where it was like a little more protracted, but we're very conscious of like the fact that people are coming to the show <laughs> to hear about Nintendo and not hear about like me buying underwear. Right. Which, it, But we still want to have like an opportunity to talk about that. And I think having it like into the body of the episode um, helps a little bit because uh, like I know that that is a, a thing that like um, you know, all kinds of big shit. Like my favorite murder is the one that uh, comes to mind for me. That people are like, uh, you know, the first hour of or show or so of the show now has become just them like cracking wise for a while, and then they get to whatever the topic is. And if you love the hosts, that's fine, and that's you know what what you, what you're there for. But I think we always want, you know, like we can express ourselves and our personalities well. We are. Um, talking about Nintendo and going through the news and talking about what games we're playing. So, like, I don't know. It's uh, it's not even it's not even that we don't want to be self indulgent. Like the show. I mean, have you met us? Yeah, <laughs> the show feels self indulgent as it is. Uh, I I think it's uh it it helps us both. I think to have a, a like schedule of things to talk about, and then we can deviate from that uh, like from that skeleton. But if you're just like, okay, here's the here's the junk bucket up front. Fill it with as much garbage as you want. Um, I don't know that that feels a little too like nebulous to me. 
Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about how 8-Bit Betty came to do our music? Yeah, sure. So 8-Bit Betty is a guy named Brian Teo um, that I went to college with. Uh, we, I, I played in a band in college um, uh, called Dennis. It was a um, piano, bass, and string quartet uh like outfit that 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 was the group um and brian was doing a bit betty stuff um uh, at at the same time and so we played a lot of shows in appleton wisconsin together and uh i don't know i I just wanted us to have if if we could have just one thing sound great in that first episode i was like yes that (laughs) is not as much pressure on you and i to also sound great um, and so, yeah, I, I reached out to Brian to see if he would be interested in uh, doing this music for us. And he was. And it's great because everything he does is great. Uh, and I, you know, I refer people to 8-Bit Betty uh, at the end of every episode we record. But like for real, if you haven't gone and checked out uh, his, his music, it's all great. Um, so go do that. And the other thing that I think helped this show seemed, seem fully formed when it first came out was that we did a run of like test episodes that's right that we never like published or anything just so we could kind of get our bearings and the the basics of a flow of like what we wanted the show to be Mm -hmm. and before you ask i don't know where those episodes are (laughs) i I don't believe you don't want to listen to them (laughs) i guarantee it yeah um they're gone but like the first one that we did we uh talked about sega yeah do you remember this yes (laughs) yeah that's right because we were like we don't want to like burn a topic episode yeah, little did we know that we would <laughs> we would have to do uh, 125 topics. Yeah. Uh, Jason has a corollary. He says, how did you come up with the strategy of dividing entries and ranking episodes into tiers, then discussing the tiers to, com- to uh, compete the ranking, complete the ranking? I've listened to a lot of podcasts over the years that were too difficult to follow because there were too many things being ranked at a time or were boring with no discussion because the host already decided on the list and show prep. Your solution made the possibly no longer definitive rankings of Zelda and Metroid among the best podcast episodes of their type. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, thank you. That's very nice. Um, it just kind of grew organically. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think something to keep in mind is that we are not, we don't have a uh, like a whiteboard or anything mm-hmm. like that where we are uh, writing these things. And I think if they're, you know, when we are using a visual aid, we are using Amiibo with Post-it notes on them usually. Um, so like we have to we have to do something ourselves to keep track of uh, what we're doing. Um, and sometimes Mark and I will come into a ranking episodes with our own with our own like separate lists and try to like reconcile them. But I think in uh, you know recent months or years, we've started coming to it with just sort of like our preferences in mind uh, so that we know we have to like work it out on the fly. And that seems to be just like the easiest uh, like verbal, way to uh to group things yeah and, and go at it yeah completely um yeah it, it just easier for us um all right uh, we've got a, a, a question here from corbin couple of questions i apologize <laughs> couple of questions uh now that switch lets you s- sort titles by time played which are each of your tie uh top five most played uh, oh. Mark, do you have any idea what your top five most played are? Yeah, I, so I'm doing this off the top of my head because um, I had looked a little, I looked a couple of weeks ago when we were getting ready for our uh, like favorite third party Switch game titles, yeah. and it's like Breath of the Wild is number one, um, Stardew Valley is number two. Uh, I can't really remember the next three, but like Mario Kart is up there i think oh super mario odyssey is up there yeah um splatoon 2 
and I can't remember. But like, yeah, that's mostly. Uh, so my my top five. I'm looking at my switch now. Um, is uh, Breath of the Wild at number one. Number two is Tetris 99. No surprise there. Number three is Super Mario Odyssey, which is also kind of no surprise. Um, Sarah and I both played through that game separately. Um, so it's got two playthroughs on it, you know, on here. Um, and then Puyo Puyo Tetris at number four. I play a lot of Tetris, you guys. <laughs> um, and then at number five, uh, this one kind of surprises me, is uh, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Oh, wow. Uh, and then Super Smash Brothers right behind that at, at number six. So those those are our top five and six. Uh, Corbin asks a second question. He says, um, was that accurate that you said you recorded at 8 p.m. on Monday night? How the heck do you edit and release that by the time I wake up on the East Coast at 6 a.m.? Patrick produces the show live. I produce the show live. So as we go on the fly, there's no like editing after the fact. Yep. So as soon as the news episode is done, we export it, send it to like uh, our the podcast network, and they help disseminate it everywhere at midnight. Yep, that and that is it goes up at midnight uh, uh, Pacific time. So by the time you you wake up at six a.m. in New York, uh, this thing has been there for three hours already. <laughs> um, but yeah, when when I play a music cue, it's happening uh, live. I'm I'm queuing that all up as we go. Uh, very occasionally uh, I mess up the music cues as we're going, so we will go back and like trim that real quick. Uh, but yeah, otherwise everything you're hearing, you know, we're not editing for content. Um, and I think again, to uh, the earlier question, part of us having the structure that we have um, keeps us from having to uh, edit a bunch of stuff out. I guess that's another thing maybe to point out is that, well, you're coming over at eight o'clock to record We've got all the news down already. We've, uh, you know, in, in the document, we've already said, like, what games we've been playing this week. We've got the new releases all listed out. Um, and, you know, basically, when, when you arrive, we come up with how the show's going to start, uh, what we want to talk about for 433, and basically that's it. Like, everything else is already prepared. So we're usually recording by, like, quarter after eight. And then, yeah, it's produced live, and then it gets out to you as, as soon as it's done. Uh, here's a question from Chris coming to us from Northern Ireland. Whoa! Says, hey guys, loving the podcast and also very entertaining. Yes, I've left a five-star rating on iTunes so you guys, as you guys deserve it. Thank, Thank you, you, Chris. Chris. Uh, I've got some questions for you. One, will you do an episode based on the movie The Wizard? A funny coincidence. We have done an episode based on the movie The Wizard. With uh, uh, special guest Ryan Mogi. Yep, she's sort of become our go-to uh, movies about video games because as she did the Super Mario Brothers movie with us. Um, this one's from a long time ago. Yeah, I think it was probably from the first year of the show. Yeah. Um, but maybe we should do like a revisit of it because we've changed a lot since then. I mean, I can't disagree with that. Uh, Chris, Maybe I'll... that could be a live episode. That oh, we could that do. would be fun. We can screen the movie and talk about it. Also, we're in LA. I wonder if we could get people involved with the movie to that... come out, like Jenny Lewis. Yeah, or even uh, Fred Savage. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Um, what for you is the most overrated and underrated Nintendo game on any consoles? Oh my gosh, uh, game and not franchise. We're talking. What is the be most over and underrated game? Yeah, it just says game. Overrated is hard for me because i like if i if something isn't to my taste yeah like you know i have very specific tastes in what i like in video games so i think a video game could be could still be like really good and not something that i necessarily enjoy 
So that's that one is hard. Um, I'll, I'll say I'll say an overrated that I I don't know that I necessarily think it's it's over. I'm just gonna say it. Super Mario All Stars. Mm. Uh, I I like all of those games, obviously. Uh, and they're uh, you know they they're, they're all very good games, and I'm happy that that's where a lot of people experience them for the first time. But my heart belongs to the NES originals on all of those. Um, and anytime I play Super Mario All Stars versions of uh, one, two, or three. I, I just it, it. They look wrong. They sound wrong. And I'm just like, this is not what this game is. Um, and I know people hold that as like the best, you know, like Super NES cart ever. And I'm just like, okay, well, calm down. It's got good games on it. Well, speaking of best Super NES cart ever, I think my the one I'm going to call overrated is Donkey Kong Country Two. There you go. Uh, Patrick and I played through that for a now defunct or on hiatus um, <laughs> segment or like series of shows we did and CS classic edition where we played a retro game and then talked about it as we like went through it. Um, and I, I, I love the original Donkey Kong country, but I had a really hard time enjoying Donkey Kong country too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I hear that. And then uh, do we have any underrated underrated? I mean, I do think that uh, Donkey Kong Jr., the original arcade game and the one that appeared on the uh, NES, um, is, for me, the best. I think it's better than the original Donkey Kong, and it's obviously better than Donkey Kong 3, because no one should play Donkey Kong 3. Um, but I feel like that game gets uh, left out of the conversation of like notable early Nintendo arcade games. And I'm going to say Luigi's Mansion. Um, although I think its esteem has grown in yeah, totally. uh, more recent years, but when it first came out, people were super disappointed. And it's not a game without flaws, but um, I, 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 I still think it's a little underrated as far as Nintendo first-party titles go. Yeah. Uh, another question. You have to sell Nintendo to someone. What gaming memory do you use? What gaming memory do I use? Uh, so when I, after I graduated from college, I worked as a hall director um, at at the college that I had had gone to, which means that I was there in a professional capacity. I was there to oversee the residence life staff, the RAs, basically. Um, and I lived in the building, so uh, my job most of the time was like just be available for people. I also had like a a, a, a very minimal like office job during that time, um, but it meant that I was just there. I was just in my apartment all the time. And this was the year that the Wii came out, um, and I had gotten one. And you know, because my living expenses were paid for, and I didn't have to pay for food because I could just eat at the dining hall for free. Um, I had you know, four Wii remote, like I, I went all out on the Wii. I was like, the Wii is my jam and we're all going to all, all the time play uh, Twilight Princess and WarioWare Smooth Moves and just uh, Wii Sports. And between those three games, there were always people in my apartment always playing. Um, and like the, the coolest thing to me was that uh, when, when I would play Twilight Princess, there would just be like eight people in the room and as soon as i would like collect the treasure inside a dungeon there would be like four voices being like oh remember you got to use that back here and someone else being like oh yeah and there were those tracks over here that you can now use that on um it was just such a like cool unifying experience um that that would be my go-to 
uh, to, to sell someone on Nintendo. Yeah, and mine is actually pretty recent, but I kind of had this experience with my husband, and it was uh, snipper clips on the Switch. Because he is not a video gamer. I've talked about it before on the show. He just doesn't, it's, he doesn't hate video games. It's just never been a part of his life. And so he just like doesn't even think to play them. Yeah. But uh, when the Switch first came out, I got snipper clips and I was like, hey, you should, we, do you want to try this with me? It was a game that we could play together. And we have so much fun. Like snipper clips was the perfect game to introduce somebody who was not familiar with video games to like the idea of video games. It's very cute. Yeah. It's, very, um, it's challenging, but you have to work together when you succeed. It feels amazing. Um, most recently I like played it with some other people who had never played snipper clips before. And it really is just like, uh, I think a really good entry to what Nintendo does well. Yes. And I think the switch, um, is such a perfect console for this. Just like pick up and play with friends. Yep. Yeah. One of the things I love about snipper clips is that it has that very, like, if you think something should work, it does. Like there are no like non-understandable rules about that game you look at it and you're like i cut you into a shape and then if that shape can like function in this world of physics the way that you think it should and it always does then like you'll be able to solve the puzzle um man what a good game and lastly what game series can you bring back from any platform to the switch chris uh he says mine is dino crisis and chris yes yes capcom hear our prayers please dino crisis is the perfect series to bring back as long as it's like in the vein of Dino Crisis 2. Resident Evil with dinosaurs, that is, that's an amazing premise. Now, by Dino Crisis 2, hadn't it gone like too action-y at that point? Or No, I think Dino Crisis was like the perfect, it's not like Resident Evil 4, but like the perfect oh, like okay, okay. Resident Evil 4. Um, it's a little bit in between, like it's a little bit more action, yeah. but not as far as like Dino Crisis 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also let's 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 like make it a whole like uh, a remake of Dino Crisis one and two together because I I remember being so blown away by the like split paths in Dino Crisis. Um, it basically took the Resident Evil idea of there being like two full games in there, but you had to just sort of like make the choices uh, to actually experience like a, a different linear path on there. Uh, but I guess to answer your other question, what what game series would we? Yeah, bring would you back? bring back to any? Pl- uh, from any platform, so it doesn't just have to be a Nintendo mm. property. I mean, I still want to see what a modern Star Tropics game looks like. I think that's fair. I will beat that drum forever. Mark, you got one? Uh, I totally agree with Chris. I think Dino Crisis is a great answer. Um, excellent. Uh, here we have a question, an email from James. He says, hi, guys. Here's a question for your 250-ish show. Uh, what are your top five superhero tv live action superhero tv shows uh new or old any any channel or platform uh to get us started here here are james's number one the flash on cw number two punisher on netflix number three daredevil number four lois and clark the new adventures of superman and number five agent carter Hmm, i i don't know that i can list five but i'm saying that and maybe actually when i think about it i can um Sorry, did he specify that it has to be live action? He did specify live action. Okay, he, that makes he, it harder. Yeah, he goes on to say uh, you can have a bonus mention for animated shows as well, but I, I guess I can, uh, I can probably guess your favorites on those. <laughs> Batman the Animated Series and Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, you're 100% right. But also, why isn't the X-Men cartoon in there? Because it's not very good. Yeah, but it was <laughs> one of my favorites. Um. Okay, so I really enjoyed The Flash 
on CW for the first two seasons. I mm-hmm. thought it was I thought it was great. Um, I kind of fell off after that. It got a little dark for me from like what I wanted from the Flash show. Yeah, sure. and what I liked about it initially. Um, I have not really cared for any of the Marvel Netflix shows that I've seen, but I did. I also enjoyed Agent Carter, and I wish wish they would bring that back for Disney Plus. Yeah. But um, I, I think those are the only live action ones that I've really ever watched. Yeah. I have also not watched too many of the Like, on just about all of them, I watch a couple episodes and then I'm like, I don't really need this in my life. Um, but I have enjoyed nearly every episode I've seen of Legends of Tomorrow. I think that that is like, it is just like just perfectly campy. Like, it knows what it's doing and feels very much like, uh, uh, you know, like uh, early Buffy the Vampire Slayer or, or whatever, and just like being very aware of itself and smartly written and, you know, a bunch of a- attractive people on screen. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, and then I also really liked Agent Carter. Um, and then uh, Jessica Jones, the first season of it, I, I liked as well. Um, but that leaves me at three. I, I liked the first season of Legion. Yeah, even... I liked the first season of Legion. Yeah. I thought that was good. Um. Yeah, I think yeah, that kind of I'm kind of tapped out yeah. at that point. Yeah, cuz I didn't care for Runaways um the the series. Uh I tell you what, I watched too many seasons of Heroes to not mention that. <laughs> though I hated it. <laughs> Thank you James for the question. Uh from Martin, he says, as part of the celebration, I'd love a 433 amnesty. Uh the many <laughs> of us who have been on tender hooks for things we will never know, need our resolution. Uh, my burning questions are, w- one, what, in addition to the DuckTales theme, did Patrick sing whilst skiing? Okay, okay, all right. So the, the premise of this question is we cut ourselves off at 4.33 when, mm-hmm. when the applause uh, comes, and so we stop talking. We say, I guess we'll never know. So the first question is, what else do I sing to myself while skiing other than the DuckTales theme song? Uh, I don't remember what track I was on when, uh, when I was saying that. I know. It, I is, was... it is likely that uh, the other song is the Chippendale Rescue Rangers theme song. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, it's so like, it seems like that would be the other song, right? Because they're both part of like that Disney afternoon. Um, but it also could be any song from Les Mis because <laughs> when I was learning how to ski, that was, uh, uh, that's very much associated with, for me with our trips up north to go uh-huh. skiing. Um, so I was probably singing Master of the House is what we'll say the answer to that question is. Uh, number two, what was the guy's reaction in Borders Coffee Shop to Mark's cough? Uh, okay, so the setup to the story is that I have a very specific laugh. Mm-hmm. And I was at, I worked at Borders and I was um, up back when that was a thing, like a bookstore. And I was up at the registers. I was talking to another employee and I was laughing because, uh, and I laugh very loud. So an old man came all um the way from the back where like the coffee shop and like uh he was just hanging out there all the way to the front of the store and like walks right up to me and is like that's really annoying you know whoa so that's how that ended (laughs) that's how it ended yeah i mean what am i gonna say to that i i mean i don't know tell him that's annoying Yeah. So that's how that ended. Terrible. And then finally, uh, being alive was Patrick's primer to Sondheim, and it was how he... Dot, dot, dot? Yeah. Uh, well, so that's how I decided to, like, uh, get into company, um, and uh, that, has, that has grown my appreciation for, uh, for Sondheim in general. 
And uh, Martin says, I care most about number three from Halloween 2017. Uh, he says, Mark's comments about Into the Woods are the only time he has made me sad. Oh. I'm sorry, Martin. Um, it's, you know, like we were talking about earlier with video games. I appreciate that, like, I appreciate the craft of Into the Woods, even though I don't enjoy the show. Well, personally. and also, Sondheim fans, um, putting you on blast, uh, it's time you recognize that... Uh, being a Sondheim fan, it, that, that's an acquired taste. No one is born liking Sondheim. You have to learn to like Sondheim. He's like jazz or wine. Like you have to make an effort. Well, here we go. But Patrick saved the day uh, by saying he had got into company. Uh, the Marianne Elliott production, which is moving to Broadway from the West End, is wonderful. If you ever get to NYC, check it check it out. Thanks for all your hard work, Martin. Oh, I actually just downloaded the uh, the cast recording from this. Um, it's great. Uh, uh, the uh, Don't Tell Them We're Not Getting Married uh, is uh, now about a gay couple who's getting married and not a man and a woman. And the lead is a woman. Uh, Bobby is, is, is a woman. It's, it's great. And, like, it's amazing how much of uh, the themes of company... Uh, and like finding relationships, uh, yeah, the the genders don't matter in that. Like, let's mix them all up. It's great. I I really enjoyed that uh, cast recording. So I will try to see it if I'm in New York sometime. And Martin, this is 100% me trying to ingratiate myself into your good graces. But I like Company a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm not afraid of Greg Smith. No one buys it. Greg Smith has been writing in over and over to say <laughs> Mark should like Company. All right, uh, here we have uh, an email from Jason. Hey Jason, how's uh, it's hi Jason. Yeah, this, hi. This is a a, a friend of mine uh, from uh, back in Wisconsin. Uh, Jason says hello. Feel free to answer some, all, or none. I hope all is well. Uh, so we're gonna answer all of these. Uh, he says, does Mark realize how similar his Twitter handle is to the name of Milwaukee's Mitchell International Airport, which uh, for which the airport code is MKE? Oh no, I didn't know that. Um, Do you get a lot of emails accidentally for Milwaukee International Airport? I don't, thankfully. Uh, but I use that as like my handle on like PSN and stuff. And when I'm playing online, people always just say, "Go like, hey Mike, Mike," mm. which like makes total sense. Yeah. Um, but Mark Mitchell is such an immensely common name that it's really hard to get an email address. Yeah, totally. That, uh, <laughs> has Mark Mitchell in it. Um, I mean, maybe you should just start uh, presenting yourself as like the Ace. <laughs> I was going to say as the administrator of the Milwaukee International, oh, sure. Mitchell International Airport. <laughs> yeah. Um, number two, if you could rank your ranking episodes, which would you rank as number one? Um, oof. So I had a lot of, there's so many that I've had a lot of fun with. Yeah. Uh, the two that immediately come to mind are ranking the Pokemon starters. Yes. With Oscar Montoya. And um, ranking the Zelda NPCs. Yeah, with Omar Najam. Uh-huh. Yeah. And both of those were not ranking episodes. They were both... Uh, oh, d choosing the definitive best. Yeah, the yeah. best. Uh, I, and I think, I think those actually are the episodes uh, that are the most fun, uh, where we do not allow ourselves the luxury of ranking. We only need to come up with the best one. Um, and I think uh, for... Especially for the Zelda NPC one, I th that's going to be my choice because I think we did make the right choice. I on think that so one. too. Uh, great. Uh, and then third question: Have have either of you been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter? Yes, yes. absolutely, a hundred percent. Yes, I've been to the one in Hollywood and the uh, one in Florida where they have the uh, two lands in each theme park. Um, did you 
either have a wand or have someone who brought a wand? Uh, I I didn't have a wand, but I was with people who did who did buy wands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's such a cool thing. Like I would never I would never buy a wand uh, just because. I don't know for whatever reason that's one step too far for me, but I love that they like activate things animatronics. It's very cool. It, it's, it's, it's very cool. Very very cool. Um, also, you know, uh, it's I like that it's a wet park that that you can drink anywhere at that park. Like you get some Harry Potter beer and walk around. My God, that's a great time. Uh, and Jason's final question: uh, I think you guys mentioned that you met studying improv. Do either of you currently perform anywhere? Or are podcasts your medium of choice? Podcasts are now my medium of choice. I haven't performed uh, for a while. Yeah, it's been a couple months for me too. Um, but every now and then something does pop up, uh, and so I'll I'll get on stage and perform. Um, but yeah, for for the most part, uh, you know, podcasting kind of fills that goal, and uh, you know, you're gonna have a a bigger audience there than the twenty people that are showing up to the improv show anyway. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, Jason. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, here's a question from Isaac. Had some questions for the Super Mega Coolness show on May 9th. I think that was the date. All right. It's weird. I'm weird, and drinking liquids while playing video games usually makes my gaming memories. Now, my choice of drink is typically cheer wine. Mm. I've heard it's harder to access outside of the state of North Carolina. Maybe you've never even heard of cheer wine. I hope you have. If not, I will ship you a case. Um, Killing Book Coblins, Breath of the Wild, and Popping Squid and Splatoon is just so much better with drinks. But maybe I'm weird. Uh, so cheer wine. First of all, yes, I have had cheer wine. Have you had cheer wine before? Yeah, I have also had cheer wine. Uh, it is. Uh, uh, you're right. It is not readily available everywhere. Um, I think the only place I've ever picked it up is at the Oaks. Um, the this like tiny fancy like grocery kind of place. Um, which is right by one of the UCB theaters, which is why we were there so much. Um, so yeah, no, I've I've definitely had some some cheer wine. Yeah, I think they also have it at there, and I am blanking on the name right now. But there's a store in Eagle Rock that is just specialty sodas. Perfect, it's like an enormous like God, warehouse. That's so just, cool. It's <laughs> just like random sodas from around the country and around the world. So I have had cheer wine before. Yeah. it's delicious. Yes, it's 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 very like tasty. a black cherry type soda yeah and like it is sweet but it doesn't hit me in that same like i'm not a big soda drinker Mm -hmm. uh these days um but like it this doesn't feel like too cloyingly sweet it is more coke than pepsi say and but isaac i'm also like a beverage person Mm -hmm. just in life um i'm uh have more than once gone into a restaurant and ordered like a water a hot tea and then like a root beer or something. I like having my choice of beverages. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm also a little bit of like a compulsive drinker, and I know what that sounds like. <laughs> it's only partially true. If there is a drink in front of me, I will, uh, I will drink it down. Um, I, I can't ignore a glass of water. I can't ignore a can of soda. I can't ignore a beer. I just gotta drink it. Um, a doctor who's listening to this tells that that tells if that just means tell me we're I'm dehydrated. <laughs> tell me I'm healthy. <laughs> um, but I don't know if I associate uh, playing games with any specific drink. Um, I associate uh, the Halo games with beer. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say gamer fuel. Ooh, gamer fuel, yeah. No, 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 that's all silly. I, if I'm going to play a game and drink a lot of something, it is going to be alcohol. Well, and I'm I'm a, a kind of like a neat freak. Um, mm. and so I generally don't eat or drink while I'm gaming because I try as hard as possible not to like 
get dirt on my controllers. Um, I'll tell you a, 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 a drinking while gaming uh, story from just this last week. Um, I had a little bit of time that, uh, by myself, and I was like, I'm going to play Astrobot in VR on PlayStation VR. Um, but I was also thirsty, so I like I got a can of uh, of Lacroix uh, fizzy water. And, uh, you know, had, had like the headset on and, uh, was like, all right, I want to take a drink of this drink. And so like put my hand out on the table. I can't see anything because I'm wearing this headset and just sort of like pat it around for a little bit until I eventually found it and then realized it was too hard for me to like hold it up to my face. You gotta have a straw. You gotta, yeah. So I, I went thirsty for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right. Uh, is that, uh, were there more Isaac questions? That that was it. Uh, next, we've got a question from Josh. Josh says, hey, guys, how did you meet and become friends? And what gave you the idea to start the podcast? We met in a improv class in L.A. I had moved to L.A. to do improv, basically. Like, that was my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something I wanted to try. And uh, Patrick and I were in the same, like, level three class That's at right. UCB. And we became... We became friends. We started, uh, we were on a couple, like, we were in a couple improv groups together, mm-hmm. uh, like, out coming out of that class. One that was basically, like, half of that class just, like, deciding to stay together. One that was just the two of us and uh, another gentleman, Chuck Ma. Um, and we just did, like, the nerdiest three-person improv you could ever see anywhere. Um, I mean, we did we did a whole set that we, we were just, like, the bat family in the bat cave do you remember this one <laughs> like eleven thirty on a tuesday night somewhere uh but we all i we also found out that we lived a block away from each other yes um which in la is no small thing um yeah so yeah we became friends um from that pretty pretty quickly um but then uh like before we started doing the podcast we had kind of just like fallen out of touch with each other um and you i i i don't remember well, the Why? few times, like, when we weren't, like, seeing each other very regularly, the mm-hmm. few times we would connect was when there was, like, a Nintendo Direct or something. Yeah. And so we would text each other about what had happened, and then it would us- we would usually just, like, fall out of contact again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I... I think... I, I, I don't remember how it happened, but you, me, Sarah, um, uh, we all went out to dinner, right? The four of us went out to dinner. Um, and it was just like nice to it was just nice to spend time with you again mm-hmm. and it was like why don't we do this um and uh so because this is LA and i this is how this town works <laughs> is uh, if you're not getting together with someone to work on something you don't see them um and so yeah i think that was kind of our our impetus for like we should be doing a podcast together and what's the one thing that always drives us together it's uh nintendo yeah and so for no other reason, I've really enjoyed doing the show because it's a chance to be able to hang out with Patrick at least once a week. Yeah, and an excuse for us to play games together, too, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, it's so dumb that we can't just be like, yes, we like doing this, let's just do it. Um, but making it an assignment uh, helps. Totally. Uh, Dustin asks, what are your top tier games of all time? Don't want to put you on the spot to rank them, but curious, what are your individual favorites across the board? Oh, I mean, for me, for sure, uh, Super Mario Brothers three, yeah, Super Mario World, A Link to the Past, um, Breath of the Wild is one of my new ones. Like yeah, that's a forever game for me. 
um, Maniac Mansion because I have so many good memories of just having absolutely no idea what I was supposed to be doing with the NES version that we had rented. Yep. Um, my, my list is, is pretty similar, or like at least to begin with, uh, Mario 3 and uh, Super Mario World. Uh, Breath of the Wild, I would say, is also on mine. Uh, I guess I would add, just for myself, uh, Warcraft 2. Uh, I loved Warcraft 2. Uh, I, I remember that sort of like changing my, uh, like the way I thought about games. Uh, and also, I, I cannot tell you the number of hours I, I put into that game. Um, and also, uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, uh, that was the game that drove me to finally buy a PlayStation three. Uh, and, um, I love it. I love Batman, you know, it's, and, and that is so, uh, to whoever's, uh, question it was about our favorite, uh, Dustin. No, 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 no. Uh, the, oh, oh, the sorry. previous question about our favorite, uh, superhero series, um, Arkham Asylum takes so many cues from the Batman animated series. That you know, I I was just in love with it from the beginning. Um, so I would say those games, and then obviously Tetris. Any way, shape, or form, I, I will take Tetris. However, you can give it to me um, on the Game Boy ninety nine with Puyo, whatever. I'm also gonna say like Resident Evil four. Oh yeah, um, Castlevania four for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Destiny, the original Destiny, because that game came out in like such a very specific time in my life that I have so many like good memories tied up with playing through that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's like a, a, the list is very long. Yeah. I, I guess uh, I want to throw out one more that might be a, a little bit of a dark horse and it is uh, Mario Kart Wii um, because I, I got Mario Kart Wii when I was living in Chicago um, with uh, two roommates who were also like my best friends. Um, and our, our friends were uh, Sarah, my, my girlfriend and her two roommates, and they would come over all the time, and the six of us would play Mario Kart together and um, for just hours and hours and hours on end. And I remember everyone going through um, hating the motion control steering on it, and but like committing to it for some reason. We all committed and doubled down on it, and we all got super good at playing that game with the motion controls. Um, and it just felt... I don't know. Like everyone knew all his tracks backwards and forward, and it was just such like a, a perfect time. Uh, Dustin also asks, "What are your biggest hopes for E3 this year?" Sorry if this is stepping on a future podcast. Actually, I'm not sorry at all, and I hope it is because I would love to hear a full show on this. Uh, okay, so then should we hold off on on uh, answering this? Well, let's give have... a little. We can give a little tease. We can give a little. Uh, mm. But so, Dustin, I was actually thinking about this last night, and I don't really know what to expect from Nintendo at E3 this year. I really have no clue. It feels like it's poised to be a big show, but... But also, is it? Yeah, like, it could also not be with, um, I mean, we know a lot of what we're, we are going to see, I think, has already been revealed. You know, they have a big lineup with Pokemon. Mm-hmm. We know that Animal Crossing is coming, but we haven't really seen anything about that. There are a lot of rumors of new hardware that they've said isn't like going to be revealed at E3 but um maybe like around the show yeah. it'll get revealed so yeah i and, and I we don't also really know, know that there's like a luigi's mansion game too we know there is not going to be a, a metroid prime 4 because that's going to be so far down the road at this point um but yeah i think it's i don't think that this year will be like the last 3 years 
in that I don't think uh, Nintendo's booth is going to be one big thing because I don't know that they have the one big thing this year. I think it's a lot of pretty big things. Uh, and I understand Pokemon, um, but like Nintendo tends not to lead with Pokemon in like their internal marketing. Um, I don't really know why that is. It might just be that like Pokemon doesn't need it. Um, but like, I think this year is going to be a little different. You know, last year was all Smash. The year before it was all uh, Odyssey, and then all Breath of the Wild. Before that, and I think this year is gonna be more of like, here are all these amazing offerings we have through the end of the year, or they could surprise us with something, and that would be a surprise. Totally, absolutely. Uh, do you think we will see a Mega Man 12 come out anytime soon with the quality of life improvements they put in 11? I, this is another thing that I was thinking about recently. I don't know what Capcom is doing or working on right now. Um, like, jeez, uh, um, uh, sorry. Uh, Mega Man 11 was something that we had heard about for so long, and then it, and now it's out. Um, and uh, Resident Evil 2 was something that we had heard about for so long, and now it's out. Um, and I just, uh, even um, like the Street Fighter collections or the Capcom like arcade brawlers, like I feel like everything they're doing now is kind of like just coming out of nowhere. Um, and like, we don't know what's next for Mega Man. We don't know what's next for Street Fighter. We don't know what's next for like any of the big Capcom franchises. Uh, so I mean, when are we going to see a Mega Man 12? I don't know. Yeah. I especially don't know because I think the game was well enough received, but it didn't really feel like it made any cultural impact at all. Yeah. Like it was certainly not the way that nine disappeared. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how, like I said, I don't know how it sold. So maybe it was well enough to have them interested in 12 immediately, but it kind of seems like it wouldn't be a surprise to me if we see Mega Man, uh, fly under the radar again for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what is the weather like in LA today? Sunny. It's beautiful. It's like 70 degrees. Mm -hmm. It's the perfect LA day. Um, how does it feel to know that you wield so much power that I have never even looked up a YouTube review of Sonic Forces based on your collective disdain for the game? Please use this power wisely. No. <laughs> I refuse. Dustin, if you know anything about us, it's that any modicum of power we have, we wield uh, yeah, wildly irresponsibly. <laughs> I had a friend of mine text me uh, telling me that he uh, read the word box boy somewhere and his internal monologue pronounced it uh, bo uh, box boy <laughs> like we usually do. So, uh, I mean, obviously we are wielding this power. We know we wield this power. We wield it irresponsibly. Nefariously. <laughs> Some might say nefariously. That's correct. Um, next, we've got uh, an email from Brad. Brad says, hey, guys, love the show. A few questions below. Feel free to pick and choose. No, we read them all. Um, number one, the phone rings. It's Doug Bowser. For reasons unknown, he's granting you three Nintendo-related wishes. Anything is on the table. Hardware, software, online, etc. What are your three wishes? Now, Brad seems to think that we're going to use these wishes altruistically. I don't know that I'm going to. <laughs> I may wish for things for me. Mm -hmm. Like, would I like a Virtual Boy and its uh, in entire library for my own personal collection? Yes. I'll take it. That's my first wish. Um, my first wish, I think, I'm, you know, like, I'm all about immediate satisfaction. I'm like the rat in uh, one of those science experiments just trying to, like, totally, get yeah. that dopamine hit as yep. much as possible. Uh, I just want SNES games on the Switch in any form possible. Please. Please just bring them in any form possible. Although, no, let's just let's put them out on a uh, the SNES Switch Online. Yeah. Um, also, 
let's just overhaul that uh, that whole thing so I can turn off the like the heads up display mm-hmm. that always shows me what buttons are what. Let me remove it. And you know, as just like a uh, you know, this would be a long run-on wish yes. that it would include lots of parts. It'd That's be like, right. hey, let's just put like the entire uh, light, like virtual console library on that system, so right. we don't have to start from scratch. But also, let's cut these prices down to like a third of. Yeah, what I mean, just put it all in the library. Yeah, so we can all just play all of them. Uh, was that three? <laughs> no, no, no. That for me, that was all just okay, one wish. All right. Uh, so now I have to. So now, so far, I've wished for the Virtual Boy and its entire library. Uh, second wish. Uh, geez, I don't know. I guess I'll do your second wish. Or your first wish is my second wish. Because <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, wish so good it's worth two wishes. <laughs> well, I assume that this is uh, these are two parallel universes. Yeah, no, absolutely. One where you get the phone call, one where I get the right. phone call. Yeah, only one of us would get the phone call, I T- think. Tell you what, if we can come up with one more wish between the two of us, I'd be happy. <laughs> um, I would really like... To you know what I would like to uh learn about canceled games or games that like yeah never great. made it that we just like never heard about mm-hmm. um and you know selfishly it'd be fine if he was just like hey come to Retro Studios or whatever and I'm just gonna show you around and we're gonna talk about all the games that these that they've been working on that didn't make it or you know like never went into full development or anything like that that's something that i would be super interested in hardware too would love to know more about all of the things that nintendo has experimented with and not actually put out there um because i think that would be super cool yeah totally also a new wario land game uh number two starting with your first console which systems have you owned over the years nintendo and non-nintendo which nintendo consoles did you skip and why Okay, so I, the first, well, I can probably just list them all. The NES, mm-hmm. the Game Boy, SNES, N64, um, GameCube, PlayStation 3, Nintendo, or Nintendo DS, and like five iterations of that. Um, a, did I say Game Boy Advance? I don't think I did. I don't think you did. Uh, uh, PlayStation 3. Three Xbox 360, PlayStation 4. Did you not own a Wii? Oh, a Wii. Um, 3DS. I'm sorry for whatever tone my voice was in when I <laughs> did said Did you not own did a Wii? Did you not Wii? own a Wii? <laughs> Are you not entertained? Um, the, the only, and I think, so the only non-Nintendo consoles I've owned are PS, like personally owned are a PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 and a PlayStation 4. And the Nintendo hardware that I have not owned is a Virtual Boy and uh, Wii U. I did not pick up a Wii U. It was a time in my life when the Wii U came out and I just wasn't playing very many video games. Mm-hmm. And the video games I were playing were on my PlayStation 4. Um, and the Wii U, me, like a lot of people, they're just... Uh, it was never enough for me to want to like buy into the ecosystem. Yeah, they never totally made the case for that system. Um, okay, so we had an NES when I was growing up, uh, then got a Super Nintendo, uh, and then this is where I start to be, like, more engaged with it, where they stop being, like, consoles for the family, and, um, like, I start leading the charge on it. Um, so I know that I got Nintendo 64 the day it came out, because I remember the guy at Target, uh, opening up the box and being like, all right, we've got the, the systems and pilot wings. 
And I, I was like, what about Mario? And he's like, we've got pilot wings. And I was like, what about that box over there? And then he opened another box and Mario was in there. <laughs> I was this close yeah. to leaving the store <laughs> with pilot wings. You're a hero. I am. I was a hero to everyone. Uh, um, <clears throat> this generation, I also got a uh, PlayStation because I badly wanted to play, had to play um, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, and then... Nintendo 64. I got a GameCube, but I didn't play it much right away. And in fact, most GameCubing that I ended up doing, I did on my Wii later in life. Um, had a PlayStation 2. Um, you had a Dreamcast. Yep. Have a dr- I still have it. Still have my Dreamcast. Um, let's see. And then I got a Wii and then uh, a PlayStation 3 much later. Oh, somewhere there I did get a, a Virtual Boy. Had a Game Boy. Um, got uh, the smaller, I guess they weren't the color yet, but just like the like Game Boy Pockets mm-hmm. um, when uh, Pokemon came out. Uh, and then I have a PlayStation 3 and Wii U and Switch. So I, uh, of Nintendo platforms, when I had a Game Boy Advance and both a DS and a 3DS. So I have not skipped a single piece of uh, like major Nintendo hardware. I've got them all. And... Uh, I stand by that decision. Uh, question number three. How many listeners have shared in the Sonic Mania joy now? Uh, Sonic Forces? Uh, the question says Sonic Mania. Oh, well. Uh, Sorry, I... Brad. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Like a dozen. Uh, uh, about 12 uh, people have. Um, it might be more, actually. We have like a little sign-out sheet on, um, uh, like inside the copy of Sonic Forces that goes around. And... Uh, I think there were like 12-ish spaces on there and it's all filled up. So I don't know what people are doing with that sheet of paper now. Um, But, you know, more than 10. Uh, And then the last question on here, what are some of your hobbies other than gaming? Um, Let's see. What do I do that's interesting? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what constitutes a hobby? (laughs) Here's the thing. We're both uh, adults. Um, so I think we're, we're becoming boring people, right? Like yeah. what are our hobbies? Um, I waste time on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I talked about on, uh, when we were talking about other podcasts we listened to, I love theme parks. Yeah. I love going to theme parks. Um, I love talking about theme parks. I just really like theme parks. So that is like, uh, I guess a hobby for me. Um, comedy for a long time was a hobby for me. Not so much anymore. Um, I mean, I like reading. We both like comic books. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. When is work a hobby? <laughs> My job is, is is work a hobby. Is uh, when when we're both like physically minded, we both run. Um, but we're not always in that mode. Um, but yeah, I would say that's kind of the extent of uh our hobbies. I like to cook. Um, I'm not great at it, but I uh, enjoy the adventure of trying to make a meal or something i like films i like um mm-hmm. like the art of filmmaking oh yeah i mean we're pretentious little dorks <laughs> i mean we suck <laughs> don't don't get me wrong we're insufferable uh speaking of insufferable uh mark you want to take a little break and yeah we'll let's come right do back it. to this little break uh needed a little break We've been going for a while. Uh, we have a question here from Connor. Connor says, hi, gents. Uh, here are a couple of questions for the episode. Thanks for doing this pod and investing your time and energy. It's truly something I look forward to twice a week and has uh, been helpful during 
helpful in the video game renaissance that I've been having over the last two years. You're great. Uh, thank you, Connor. That's yeah, very thank nice. you. Um, what other video game content do you consume? Do you listen to other podcasts? Do you watch YouTube channels? Read IGN, Kotaku, etc.? Any strong video game content recommendations? So we talked a little bit about podcasts earlier. Yep. Um, I also, like, I read Kotaku. Yep. Um, I think Jason Schreier's work, especially when he's covering, um, like, game development. Yeah. And kind of like... Top notch. Yeah. And kind of like the abuses that happen in game development is, like, really important work. And I'm glad that he's doing that. Uh, on YouTube, I do follow a bunch of YouTube channels. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I follow Jeremy Parrish's like Game Boy Works and SS- SNES Works and Virtual Boy Works. That's a great series. It's I mean I I can get I almost hate them because they're so good. Uh, I can just watch one after another. Uh, we he basically just brings up one of those games from uh, Super Nintendo and NES or Game Boy and just like tells you its story in like 15-ish minutes. Uh, It's perfect. There's a man who goes by the moniker Dr. Sparkle, and he has a series called Crontendo, where the episodes are like an hour and a half or two hours long, and they don't come out with much regularity anymore. I don't even know if he's continuing to pursue it, but it was basically literally chronicling the history of every single NES game that was ever released in Japan. So like NES or Famicom game. Yeah. That's, so that's pretty exciting. It's ve- it's very extensive. It's great to do, for me. Just I enjoy I enjoyed having it on in the background. Um, there's the uh, gaming historian mm-hmm. uh, who I really like a lot. Um, I'm trying to say, think of some other ones. Um, I have. like all of the uh, Polygon videos that are Brian David Gilbert uh, like trying to uh, rank something. Or there's one where he works out the Zelda timeline by putting all of the all Zelda media into one big uh, multiversal timeline. Uh, he's very good and very funny and does a, a, a great job of like linking everything together. Um, and every now and then I will allow myself to fall down rabbit holes of uh, Polygon's video content. And basically anything that Brian is in, I'm like, yes, I, I like this. Um, I also, uh, uh, I'll, I'll check out Game Explained stuff from time to time, especially um, uh, when it's, I mean, they're, they're big Nintendo guys. So they are, you know, they're paying attention to all the stuff that I'm paying attention to as well. Uh, when that Super Mario Maker uh, 2 trailer dropped, um, they had like a 40-minute video like showing everything that the trailer revealed. Um, and so I loved that. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, on uh, Kotaku, I've, I've talked about, is it Tim Rogers? Um, who does the, uh, he's just renamed the series to Let's Mosey, uh, found in translation where he has played the English and Japanese versions of Final Fantasy VII and um, compared the translation. Uh, and it's this great like 12-part series uh, that only gets to like the first third of the game, but it's incredible. Um, so that that that's most of what I. Yeah, and any others, Mark? I also just really like when the marathons are on. I really like games done quick. Yeah. Yep. And awesome occasionally I'll just quick. fire up Twitch and find like a game, um, usually like a retro game, and just watch somebody trying to perfect their speed runs. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, and then Connor has a second question. Uh, the Switch has had an incredible two-year run. We have had knockout first-party releases like Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Smash, Splatoon, great ports like Super Mario Brothers Deluxe, new Super Mario Brothers Deluxe, I guess, for Switch, DK Tropical Freeze, huge third-party games, countless indie darlings, etc. If there was zero Switch content released after today and, and that its run had ended, it could be argued that the experience would be 
up there with the best consoles. That said, for you, what does the Switch still need to accomplish? Need to accomplish uh, to bring it to the next level or ascend even higher? I can already I can think of a handful of things: Metroid Prime Four, a real online experience, UI changes, other games. But I wanted to hear from you. I would like to see it get like a third part, and I guess in a way, like Dragon Quest Eleven S is kind of this, but like a big jrpg just like blown out extravaganza that only japan knows how to do so well yeah you know like a kingdom hearts 3 level i mean isn't that can't you it has to be third party like the xenoblade yeah for me like i think that's that's kind of that's what i want yeah um yeah yeah i mean i i do think i mean having uh like the big new square and capcom games on there uh just to make it I don't know for for whatever reason having like those two uh Japanese companies support behind it and they do like there are a lot of uh Square and Capcom games but they're always the like also rans the uh like not the big you know AAA whatever uh experiences it would be cool to see those uh on Switch and I think that's the real thing that um that and the the thing's ability to interact with the Wi-Fi in your own house. Uh, I I think those are the two things that it it really needs to become something better. Yeah, and I also just am looking forward to um, a 2D Zelda, like kind of old-school Zelda that's not the Link's Awakening remake, Mm -hmm. that is kind of its uh, own thing. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that this year is is certainly a step towards, um, you know, I had mentioned on maybe last week's show that we're starting to actually see um the three the normally the titles that we normally associate with 3ds like uh fire emblem like animal crossing like pokemon coming over to the switch and i think as soon as like um this machinery is in place where we have all of the console and all the handheld developers all working on switch games and like once that machine is like up and running and smoothly running uh it's going to be you know more games than we even know what to deal with it's going to be great Oh, and then, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll read another one. These are emails that came in that we don't have printed off yet. Um, so uh, here's an email from Dave. He says, I've been a listener since I got my Nintendo Switch in February of last year, but haven't emailed yet, and I figured a special event like the 250-ish episode Spectacular is the perfect time. I was wondering what Nintendo-related Christmas gift meant the most to you guys. I will never forget the Christmas morning that I ran out of my room at 6 a.m. to find Super Mario Kart and Mario Paint in my stockings. That's great. Um, I don't uh, I don't think I've ever felt as much pure joy aside from the birth of my daughter decades later. <laughs> Anyways, love the show and hope it continues for another 250-ish episodes. David. Growing up, we never really got nintendo things or like video game things for christmas my parents weren't against video games but they didn't want to buy it when it first came out and it was like super expensive we always smart we we always got it later when it was cheaper but the one thing that i did get for christmas and it was especially special because uh it was mine i didn't share it with siblings or anything was a game boy i remember getting that for christmas it came with tetris and then i also got quarth quarth (laughs) It's like a the greatest city that ever was, there ever will be. <laughs> uh, it was. It's like a. Uh, I d- don't even really know how to explain it, because um, I'm not even sure I ever understood how it worked. But I think it's kind of like te- like the uh, Tetris a little bit. Like the blocks are falling, but they're b- falling in like a chunk, and then you have this little like spaceship at the bottom that's like shooting things. Cool. I don't know. I was never. I I think I would occasionally put it in when I because I didn't get a lot of games for my Game Boy. So I would occasionally put it in when I was bored or wanted something else to try. 
and I don't I never figured out exactly what it is. That's one like uh the Rescue of Princess Blobette where I should go on YouTube and find out how that game is supposed to be played. Right, so you so you can go back and fix your memories. Uh-huh. Um so I think my best uh like Christmas memory with a Nintendo thing actually started from a place of disappointment for me. Um I had asked for Final Fantasy 2 for the Super Nintendo, Japanese 4, right? Um and then my grandmother got me Final Fantasy 3, which must have been new that year. You know, when you're a kid, you don't really know when things come out or, you know, whatever. Um, so uh, it was Final Fantasy 3. And I remember being like, oh, okay, this this isn't the game that I want. Like, thank you, of course. Uh, and I'll be excited to play it. But, like, I had that, like, moment of, like, this isn't uh, the game that I was hoping so much that I was going to get. Um, and then putting it in, you know, later that day and uh falling in love with it and final fantasy 3 is is my final fantasy like it is my favorite game in that series and i think one of the greatest games of all time um and yeah so that well it wasn't like it didn't have that like pop of like christmas morning this is the best thing ever but it was a christmas memory and turned into the best thing ever just uh gradually here's a question from steven says, I'm here to help you out with your question spectacular. That Thank sounded you, weird when I typed it, but I'm keeping it. No, Stephen, that was exactly right. We yep. appreciate your help. He has a couple of questions here. One, what was your first experience with gaming or first memorable experience? Uh, so I remember going to a babysitter's house where they had uh, an NES and um, either had it hooked up to a TV or I, I knew they had, I knew they had it. Um, and I knew that they, you could play Super Mario Brothers on it. And I remember the babysitter telling me that um, the TV they had was old. And so like the TV needed to warm up and that like, if we didn't have time now to like warm up the TV and I know that she was just like, didn't want me to play it for whatever reason. Uh, so I, I think that was, that's like the earliest experience I can remember. Yeah, the my first experience with video games, I as far as I can remember, like full stop, was when my parents brought home a Nintendo Entertainment System power set. Yes. So this was it came with an NES, the Zapper Gun, mm-hmm. two controllers, the Power Pad, yes, and um, uh, one cartridge that had Super Mario Brothers, World Class Track and Field, and Duck Hunt. Yeah, great cart came out in like i looked it up it came out in 1988 so it was a couple of years after the nes had already been out this is the the same that we had the same power pack yeah um and so yeah that was my first experience with video games full stop a really memorable experience for me was a few years later when i went to my cousin's house um we lived in different parts of the country and we were visiting for like thanksgiving or something and seeing super mario world yeah for the first time and like the first time, like, I didn't know the Super Nintendo was coming out. I didn't know about the Super Nintendo. I knew nothing. And so to have this, like, new Nintendo system that existed that looked so amazing and Mario had a cape and could fly, it, like, blew my mind. Man, what a, a just a way of experiencing the world that we will never get to again of just not even knowing that a new piece of Nintendo hardware was even possible and then just seeing it at someone's house and being able to play it the same minute that you're hearing that it exists. God! Yeah, it was incredible. It was incredible. Uh, another question from Steven. If you had to pick a franchise to get a new game on the Switch, what would you push for? Star Tropics, obviously. 
Um, yeah, and for me, I would love an old school like two D side scrolling Castlevania. Yeah. Also, uh, th- that that is a great point. A new that that would be so cool. Um, like in the uh like Castlevania three kind of mm-hmm. or Super Castlevania style. Yep. Um, I would also it's because I'm knee deep in uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff right now, but just a new um like Turtles arcade game style uh brawler with the Ninja Turtles. Just give just give that to me. God, that sounds so good. I. <laughs> uh, if you feel comfortable with it, tell us about your significant others. Oh, that's an interesting. That's do we feel comfortable with it? So I, tr- I mean, I try to keep my husband out of it because, mm-hmm. like, he doesn't have he doesn't have a say in this podcast, right? You know, um, he indulges me doing it. So, uh, but in the broadest of terms, I can say he's super handsome. That's right. Really smart. Mm-hmm. Really nice. You guys would all love him. And that's another reason why I keep him off this podcast is because you would want him to replace me on it. Oh, yes. And uh, similarly about Sarah, if she were in here, you'd say, uh, forget you dorks. Let's just have Sarah do this thing on her own. Um, she's great. She's a ton of fun. Uh, uh, plays games, but is not insufferable about them like like we are. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, there, there is just a, a little part of like, we choose to do this. We choose to put our personalities out there uh, in uh, a very like naked kind of way and so uh you know i I think we we talk about them uh from time to time and i think you can put together a pretty solid picture of who they are from the previous 249 episodes here's another question from steven design a new pokemon on the fly for pokemon sword and shield what name type and characteristics this is great uh so i think uh okay okay here's one because i'm just looking at scanning around the room looking at things that i don't think are currently pokemon and one that's a like coffee maker Sure. There we go. Uh, it is a a is is dark a type of Pokemon? <laughs> I, I think so. Uh, and it has uh, all kinds of moves to speed up its speed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, and, it can expel ground like grounds mm-hmm. grounds right coffee grounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, and it, so and it's called um, uh, oh. ja- something with Java in it. Sure. Uh, uh, it is, but let, let's also combine it with something like let's make it a little bit of a dinosaur mm. too. So it, it's got like Stegosaurus plates. <laughs> sure, it's Javasaur. Javasaur. There we go. We did it. That was a good one, Mark. Uh, and uh, what does it? Uh, this is I'm putting our own structure. Uh, like, um, I'm adding this to something yes. we have to figure out. Is how does it fit into the Pokemon Sword and Shield theme mm. of like England? Well, so here's the thing. Is that this is this is only available in the sword version. In the shield version, it's some sort of tea Pokemon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a tea kettle. Yes, that's it's right. It's a fairy type. Uh, right. It also looks kind of like a dinosaur. Uh-huh. So it's like Kettledon or something. Kettledon. Yes, <laughs> that's perfect. Um, if you had to live somewhere else in the U.S. or in the world, where would you live? I don't know at this point. Yeah. Um, my family is scattered enough uh, that I don't have like a, a place that I would go back to uh, or like a place that would feel like home now that's not L.A. Um, but I did live in Chicago for a couple of years and I like that city when it's not actively trying to kill you, which is admittedly like six months out of the year because it's so cold. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I could see myself winding up back in Chicago someday. Yeah, there's a... Uh so I, I was recently in China, and uh, there was a city that's uh, outside of Shanghai called Suzhou. 
Mm-hmm. And man, like I love that city. Oh yeah, I would a hundred. I would a hundred percent move there. Um, fun, th- funny thing about Sujo is when we were traveling and uh, talking about Sujo, I would just like in my head have. Are you familiar with the Emperor's New Groove? Yes. So there's not a lot of songs in it, but there's one that's like sung by Tom Jones at the beginning and at the oh, end, yeah. where they're kind of like introducing you mm-hmm. to the character. And to Cusco. To Cusco. Exactly. That yeah. part right there. And when we were traveling, I was always like, in my head, I'm like, why do I have this song in my head? And it's because Sujo sounds very similar to Cusco. Yeah. And so I would be like, Sujo. just exactly, just like subconsciously. Um, I'm super fun to be around, clearly. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. And of course, once uh, Galaxy's Edge opens up, uh, of course, we'll live on Batu. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would live in the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse. The real, like, the fake one from the movie or the fake <laughs> or the one in the one. theme parks? <laughs> Perfect. Like, <laughs> I would 100% live there, of course. Thank you, Steven. Uh, we've got a, a question here from um, Dustin. And Dustin's, oh, he says, here are a few more. So have we already answered questions from Dustin? Oh, yeah, I think we did. All right. Or well, maybe we will in the future. All right. Well, great. Here are some more. <laughs> he thought of some more questions. Uh, with the 3DS looking like it's getting, uh, like it's done getting new first party games, are there any games that you are disappointed did not make it onto the system, onto the 3DS? Hmm, not that I can think of offhand. I feel like the 3DS had a really full life. Yeah, I, I think so too. Like it was ready to pass on. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I don't think there really is anything else. It, it never got its own Wario Land, um, which, you know, I, uh, I like those games. It would be nice to see another uh, something like that. Um, but also just like, you know, if we are able to port uh, GameCube games to uh, 3DS, like, yeah, let's get like Mario Sunshine on there and other other stuff like that. But yeah, other other, other otherwise, I I think that game had a a rich full life. Uh, do you think we will get another Zelda for Switch in the Breath of the Wild engine, similar to Majora's Mask on sixty four? Yes, and I think it'll it's coming um next year. Really? You yeah. think you think it'll be that that quick? I do, because I I think that they were mostly done with development of Breath of the Wild. Um like before it was released in March. And then I think the team just like basically turned to working on that. Cause I don't think links awake links awakening is being done internally. Oh, okay. Um, that That's purely speculation on my part. And so, yes, I'll be surprised if the switch doesn't see another uh, breath of the, another game in the breath of the wild style. Yeah. And I think that's something we don't really talk about enough or like no one really does that breath of the wild must have been done for a while and the reason that it was held off until march was because they wanted to put it out on switch and that's as as early as they could get the switch out um next question is it just me are you dying for nintendo to scrap the mario and luigi series and make a prequel to mario rpg sorry sequel to mario rpg i've never really liked the mario i've never really played the mario and luigi series so i have no feelings about it so if they did that yeah i'm all for it um i don't know that you need to scrap it uh in order to make a a sequel to the mario rpg Um, first of all we've never seen a sequel to super mario rpg in like 20 years so uh there's such a thing does not yet exist uh but i i mean the mario and luigi series coexists with the paper mario series so i mean i i think it could they could put out a uh, Mario RPG 2 next year and then a Mario and Luigi game the year after and no one would be like, hey, what? 
more questions from Dustin. What other series would you like to see Nintendo make a new game for that turns phys- the turns the typical gameplay on its head? Maybe a Zelda themed RPG, Splatoon 3D platformer, something like that. I really want Star Fox Grand Prix to be real. Star Fox Grand Prix would be a wonderful thing. Oh my god. I would also really like a uh take any of the Fire Emblem stories and just like turn it into a Zelda game. Like let me control those characters on like a, a, a real map um, and, uh, you know, not a turn-based kind of game. I think that would be cool. Uh, do you think we will get Madden 20 on the Switch this year? No, I don't. Yeah, me neither. What would be the point? <laughs> like, if so few people would buy it. Uh, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I think part of the reason that FIFA shows up is because it's such a worldwide franchise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to- totally. And even that, like, we saw one of them. Are we going to see... We saw two. We saw two? Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's... We're not really paying attention to that. Uh, Dustin says, now a chance to get a little negative. Ha ha. What are some games that other people like that you just can't get into? Um, I was ragging on, uh, like, games as service uh, style games before the your Destinies, your Anthems, your... Uh, division. I don't really care about any of that stuff. The idea of like having to log on every night to like support my clan or whatever, like that sounds exhausting to me. Um, and this may be because I didn't play it in the most optimal way. I didn't play it on PC, but uh, I have a really hard time with Half Life Two. Um, mm. I played it on the orange box, and I thought it was just okay. Did you? play it like at the time or like many years later i played it when orange box the orange box first came out yeah yeah um yeah just not for me not all games work for everyone uh and then dustin's last question uh how great does it feel to know that uh wait how great does it feel to know you are not falling behind on any of your gaming resolutions this year that million dollar bet always seems stressful uh dustin is that because we didn't make any resolutions this year yeah that's right Basically, it feels great. He's, it he's feels just, great. He's just burning us on uh, <laughs> making none of them last year. Um, here's the thing. I always have faith that when we make a million dollar bet, somehow it's going to work out. In how do it's, you mean? Somehow it's going to work out. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like the, the question is, do I stress out about it? No, because I have faith. It's going to work out. Yeah, it's somehow, like, I'll die before we, like, I don't know. But I agree. I 100% agree. I have faith in the system. Me too. System's um, good. So, uh, kind of a follow-up to one of Dustin's question. Mitchell writes in saying, Mitchell, great name. Um, strong name. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you want out of a Nintendo Switch Super Mario RPG? Obviously, we can't get Bowser's Inside Story since there is a lack of the second screen and the limits overall length level depth verticality um which other ds games had maximized in the mario rpg genre oh okay so the the question is sort of uh like a two-part like if we were to bring an, an existing one over um and then like what else would we want from uh, a mario rpg yeah i think that's fair um i don't think uh i don't think i need to see any of those uh games brought over to the switch i think just just make a new one and like do something different and crazy with it. Yeah, I I would like to see um a continuation of the Paper Mario series. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that 
counts as it adjacent does. to this question. I, I think it does. But um, yeah, I would like to see a continuation of Paper Mario. I love Thousand Year Door. I love the first Paper Mario game. I think Super Paper Mario is a little misunderstood. I think that's maybe an underrated game, going back to one of our earliest questions. Yep. Um, I didn't play the Sticker Star or Color, color Splash. splash but yeah. you, you like Color Splash. The, I like Color the, the Splash, Wii okay. I mean, I, I played maybe like 10 or 12 hours of it and then kind of gave up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, f- for me, what I want, I think, kind of boring stuff from a, a new Super Mario RPG. Um, I want it to be like a turn-based uh, battle system. And I just want like funny, interesting characters. Yeah, and I think that's something that... Uh, all of the Mario RPGs that people hold dear to their hearts, like that's kind of the one series that Nintendo allows the Mario characters to let loose. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. the peripheral characters are like really silly and it's funny. And uh, the dialogue is really clever. And the music is uh, almost universally amazing. So those are like the most important things to me when talking about a Mario RPG. Yeah, I, I will agree with that 100%. Uh, next email comes from Danko. Uh, he he writes, uh, Hey there, fellows. I have a question that I would like to answer on your 250th-ish episode. Uh, I have noticed that you do not have any ads on your podcast, and I have never heard any mention about Patreon or any such services. So my question is, do you make any money on the podcast? If you don't, would you like to make money on the podcast, or is this more of a side project? Uh, so there was early in its life, uh, a brief time where we experimented with ads. Yes, um, that we were Mac Weldon, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I still have those underwear that they yep. <laughs> that they sent us. Got a sweet hoodie out of it, mm-hmm. and I've got a nice pair of shorts that I like. Um, but uh, we have not. Uh, that I I don't think that that's how we view this show as a way for us to make money. Uh, but the question: Would you like to make money on the podcast? Uh. Yeah, I guess I probably I I would, <laughs> um, but it's 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 not something that we've ever really made a priority. Yeah, it's not a driving factor. It's e- definitely not why we do this. Yeah, I mean we we primarily do this because we like talking about Nintendo and we like spending time with each other. Which uh, the experience you have with the show is similar to the experience that we have with the show. Uh, if if uh, you know our listenership were to explode in such a way that like uh, making money from ads would be uh, a little bit more like effortless on our part, or that there would be like a return worth us actually like spending the time to set that up and sell the ads and actually do them, then it might happen. Um, but as of right now, it, that's just not. Uh, it's it's not what we see the show as. Yeah, we're just kind of happy hanging out. Yep. Uh, question from Jack. Says, obviously, Nintendo has provided us with many amazing and great memories, but there have been many memories or many moments that have left a sour taste in our mouths, Uh, like Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild getting delayed many times, uh, much of the Wii U era, etc. So what is your least favorite Nintendo-related memory? Sometimes it can be fun to reflect on the downer times, especially when things are going so well right now in the Wii era. Thanks so much and keep up the fabulous work. People keep trying to drag us into being negative, Mark. I mean, it is something that we try, you know, we've never done uh, like a ranking episode of like our least favorite games or anything like that. Yeah. Because again, we are just doing this for fun. We do this because we like talking about Nintendo and hanging out with each other. And so like the corollary to that is we don't want to talk about stuff that bums us out, really. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Mark and I both used to write about uh, comics on the site Retcon Punch and like 
it is just more fun to write about a comic book when you liked it than when you hated it. Um, and, you know, there are exceptions and sometimes it's fun to dunk on something that's stupid. But like, I don't know, that's such a weird energy. And like, I don't want to put more of that out there into the world. Um, so are we dodging this question? <laughs> no, well, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm honestly, honestly, I'm trying to think of uh, something that Nintendo has done that like really bummed me out. And um, there are times where I, I'm trying to think of, like, something I was disappointed in. Like, I am disappointed in the Switch's online service. Yeah. I'm disappointed that there aren't, like, SNES games on there. I'm disappointed that the library is limited and is only updated, like, once a month with a, with a handful of games. Like, all those things are, dis- are, I guess you could say, are, like, disappointing to me. But I, uh, but they don't. They're not surprising, really, and they right? don't negatively affect my overall experience. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's it's a difficult question. I don't really view Nintendo through that lens because Nintendo is just something that I enjoy kind of on my own terms. And if they do something that I don't like, it's uh, okay to me because I just don't engage with that. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I mean, it's uh, it is perhaps important to remember that like uh, Nintendo isn't all the games we play. And gaming isn't all the things we do. So, like, even though we struggle to think, even of though any we other thing, uh, else. I, I sleep, <laughs> I eat. <laughs> Is breathing a hobby? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, I I I, I sort of agree. Like, um, yeah, you'll see, uh, you know, we music at at E three, and you're like, okay, that's an embarrassing press conference thing. But like, everyone has an embarrassing press conference thing at some point, and you're just like, okay, well, then I just won't play that. And then 10 years later, you will play it with your friend Mark for an afternoon. And you'll have fun. And you'll realize, oh, wow, we like this thing got really dogged on, but there was a lot to experience there. I guess the other thing is like uh, game. I try to appreciate that like anything, games are really difficult. Totally. You know, like uh, having a large company like a video game company is hard and you're they're going to make mistakes and it's like it's 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 fine it's yeah. fine it's yeah. fine when something disappoints me yeah well and i mean it's also kind of uh i i feel like this is a thing i've been reiterating now a, a lot but that nintendo is less a technology company than it is a, a a toy company and so when it doesn't keep pace with the kinds of services and like you know uh really powerful hardware that uh, sony and microsoft are putting out there uh, that's not a thing that bothers me. Um, do I wish it were different? I maybe. I, I don't. I don't even know that I do. Like, I, I like the the weird little creature that Nintendo is, and uh, yeah. So I don't know that I need it to change. But I will tell you my least favorite Nintendo related memory. Yeah, what's that? Um, and that was, and I think I've told this story before. But growing up when I was younger, like if I really wanted to see a movie that my parents had zero interest in seeing what I had to do was earn money by doing chores and then buy tickets for like me and my dad to go. And then we, uh, we could go see that movie. And I wanted so bad to see the super Mario brothers movie yeah, that's when tough. it came out into theaters. Like, I want to see it so bad. My dad was like, absolutely not. So I spent, you know, like in my mind, it probably wasn't that long, but to my child, to my memory, it's like weeks, you know, like uh, raking the leaves, pulling, uh, raking the leaves, pulling weeds, like all that kind of stuff to yeah. try to earn just like nickels at a time to earn like the 10 bucks it would take at that time to, for two people to go see movies. 
and I had finally earned the money. And because it bombed so hard, it was like out of theaters immediately. Oh no! So I was so never you didn't able even get to, to see go. it. I didn't even get to go. I thought the memory was going to be that you went and hated it. No, right. I think I was too young to hate a movie. You yeah, know, fair enough, it fair was enough. just like anything would have been great. Uh, all right, I got a question here from James. Hey guys, uh, whether uh, whether it is in the 250th episode or elsewhere, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Endgame. Uh, maybe if you place it at the end of the episode to avoid spoilers. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. We'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll come back to it. Uh, here's a question from Miles. Do you think Paper Mario has a chance on the Switch? Make a proposal for a new Paper Mario game. People are into the Mario RPGs today. Yes, I 100% think that a Paper Mario game has a chance on Switch. They're usually developed by Intelligent Systems, who also develop the, um, Fire Emblem games. Right. So now the Three Houses is out, or... It will be out this summer. I think that it makes sense that their next project will probably be a Paper Mario game of some kind. And that could be further along than we know. Like, I think they have a, a they must have a couple different teams going at any given time um, because it seems like they put out a lot of games. And the Switch is just kind of a system. Maybe it's because Breath of the Wild uh, celebrates all of Nintendo or Zelda history. And same with Odyssey celebrates all of Mario history. Like, the Switch kind of feels like a system where they're just. Nintendo is giving us what we want in a way that they haven't previously. Sure. So I think a new Paper Mario game makes a lot of sense. Uh, I so if if we're if we're to pitch one, I'm gonna say uh, a su- a Paper Mario game that retells the story of Super Mario Brothers USA or Super Mario Brothers Two uh, with all those same bosses and stuff in it, but it's just in the in the paper. I love that. That'd, that'd be amazing. That'd be super fun, and really just like blow out the world with like weird trippy Dream World stuff. It'd be great. Uh, second question: If you could remake five of these games, which one you would you remake? Each of you must pick five. Oh, so Jesus! Here's the list: <laughs> Chibi Robo, okay, Trauma Center, Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door, Wonderful 101, Jump Ultimate Stars, uh, Smash Melee, Star Tropics 2, Earthbound, Captain Toad, and Lu- Luigi's Mansion: Dark Moon. So these are presumably remakes for the Switch. Yeah, we, let's go with that. Okay. Um, so Earthbound is on there, right? Mm-hmm. I would love a playable version of Earthbound. Um, I, I, I'm not about to like spew Earthbound hate, um, but I don't think that game is as easy or as inviting to play as people think it is. Um, even just a remake that adds some of the like uh, conveniences of um, modern releases of old Final Fantasy games would be nice. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll take that one. Um, Star Tropics 2, obviously, because Star, Star Tropics. <laughs> um, I we don't need to reiterate why I like Star Tropics. Uh, Luigi's Mansion, Dark of the Moon, um, partially because I feel like the handheld, having a Luigi's Mansion game in a handheld system just feels weird to me. Um, I want it to be like up on a screen and pretty, and I want the, the mansion to be Im- imposing, right? Um, and then I must pick five. Yes. Can I see the list again? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Captain Toad. Uh, Captain Toad is on Switch, right? Yeah, basically in a remake. Okay, so uh, we'll I'll count that one because I don't want to come up with another one. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'll go with Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door. Um, just because you know. Uh, we were saying that you could bring all these uh, Mario RPGs over to Switch and not even really have to tinker with them all that much. Yeah, I think a Thousand Year Door remake, like a remaster, 
uh, for Switch would be Gangbusters. I would love that. So I'm going to count that as one of my ones. Okay. Uh, Trauma Center. These games are crazy. These like they're absolutely bonkers. Uh, it's kind of like um, Puyo Puyo Tetris, where you're like, oh, it's a Tetris game with Puyo Puyo. Like, how crazy could the story be? Oh, it's a um, game where you are a surgeon in a hospital, right? Like, that's pretty much all the story you need, right? How crazy can these games get? So crazy. So crazy. I would love to see some sort of remake <laughs> of that. Uh, I'm going to say Star Tropics 2, of course. Earthbound, I completely agree that that game is um, obtuse. Yep. And, like, a little bit difficult to get into. And I think a modern remake with some quality of life upgrades would be great. Uh, and then for the final one, I'm going to say Chibi Robo, because I've never played any of those games. And so, yeah, bring them to Switch. Yeah, why not? Um, all right, that's all of our questions, with the exception... Oh, no, you, you've got I have one, one more. I have okay, one more. Yeah, great. Okay, so th this is from Lizzie. She says, hello, you two. Uh, here are some questions for your question episode. What's your favorite Animal Crossing villager? Ooh, so you've got more experience with Animal Crossing, mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll let you... Does K.K. Slider count as a villager? Because oh, this K.K. Slider. This is a great question, because the, the character called the villager. Right. Right, like the one that's playable in Smash. Is that what the question means, or is it... I don't think so. I think it okay. means like a, like a character who lives in your, in, like, in your town. town. Um, so if K.K. Slider counts, all, they don't, I don't know if he's a resident. Yeah, he he's uh, like a, a traveling music man. I really like Tom Nook's kids, the two, Timmy like, and Tommy. Timmy and Tommy, mm -hmm. I think they're adorable. But yeah, I, I like I, Isabel, man. She's great. Have you seen? Uh, there's a um a, a couple like drawings that one of the Blizzard concept artists uh was just uh drawing characters from Smash in like fashionable outfits. And there's one of Isabel where like she's got uh she's like wearing this coat and like she just looks so cool and happy. <laughs> I just like her. Uh if all of the eight Animal Crossing villagers got into a no holds bar brawl, who would win? Uh Jody the the boar. <laughs> She'd just be like goring people. She would just be goring everyone. Yeah, so I I think KK uh, Slider would be scrappy, be able mm. to like smash his guitar over somebody's head. You think he's seen once. some rough stuff on the road? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Some especially when he was coming up, you know, like oh, uh, totally. bad like dive bars, truck stops in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, like, KK's, real roadhouse type stuff. He's been stabbed. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. And stabbed somebody in self-defense. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but absolutely killed at least one person. Um, she asked, what's the history of this podcast? I haven't been with you guys since the beginning, so how did it start? Uh, yeah, so we we kind of got around to, like, the, the show's um, in inception. I guess the only other, like, thing that we could talk about from that uh, was uh, we, we met for lunch one day, uh, like, to hash out the details of this. And basically pitched out everything that the show currently is, with the exception of um, it took us a little while to separate the topic episodes from the news episodes. Um, in fact, we were doing the show for months um, before our producers at um, what was then uh, What's a Creative is now Campfire Podcast said, uh, hey, maybe split up these episodes so that you're not putting out an one hour and a half long episode every week, but instead putting out like two 45 minute episodes a week and we were weirdly like really resistant to that initially we were resistant to that yeah well and i mean it does uh it does mean that we have to do two episodes a week which uh can, can be kind of a lot 
Um, and you know, if before we had done a news episode and our topic for the for that episode had gone for like 15 minutes, then we'd just put out like an hour long episode and it would be fine. But now, like, I don't know, I would feel weird putting out a just 15 minute episode, even though sometimes we do put out like a 20, 22 minute, um, like the Labo VR one recently was pretty short. But uh, yeah, um, that's. Uh, do you have anything else to add about like the the origin of the podcast? No, I th- I think that's pretty much it. And lastly, uh, who would your dream guest on the show be? <clears throat> I can think of a ton. Like yeah. I would love to get Reggie Fizame, the Reg- now retired mm-hmm. president of Nintendo, on here. I would love to Bill get Trinan. Bill Trinan. I would love to get uh, Shigeru Miyamoto. Um, I would love to get just like somebody who was really in the trenches and like the development of a lot of these games um like i was talking about like i think a lot of us are just fascinated with canceled games or like what could have been yeah and it'd be really cool to talk to somebody who um like worked on these games worked on a game that was canceled or never came out dylan cuthbert um uh now of i think it's q games but previously worked on like Star Fox. um would be another great guest yeah all great ideas i would also love to have like anyone that is on any of the other podcasts that we've mentioned so far um come on here because i think that would just be good uh conversation um and uh of course uh greg smith and i'm not just saying it because i'm afraid of him no me no, no, either no no, no 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 yeah i mean why why would either it's of us like be he bullied of his way onto the show before uh all right should we talk about endgame now yeah sure uh i'll We'll play a little music transition here, and then after after that, if you haven't seen Endgame and you don't want to be spoiled on it, you know, like, get out of here by the time the music comes back. Endgame. I loved it. I loved it, too. We saw it on Friday night, uh, the weekend it came out, uh, at the Vista Theater in Los Angeles, as we uh, have made a tradition now for, for Marvel movies. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was great. There was... Uh, during the last like 45 minutes or so of the movie, I was literally shaking because I was so excited. Um, the crowd that we saw it with was, you know, popping at everything. Um, so there were, you know, tons of like big cheer moments for us and tons of, uh, you know, we were laughing a lot. I don't know. I, I thought it was great and just exactly what I needed to like end that era of Marvel movie. Yeah, I think I the first thing I said to you after it was over is like, I can't believe they pulled it off. It seems insane, right? Oh, God. There's just so much cool stuff in that movie. Yeah, I, I felt like it was a really kind of perfect send-off for those char- for like a lot of those characters. Yeah, and like doesn't worry itself with... And maybe this is uh, just something that I've been missing from Marvel movies in general, but doesn't worry itself with like what could come next or like, you know, setting up or having like little Easter eggs for, you know, things for us to discover for the future of the blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, and like it's it's all sort of there, like uh, Cap giving um, Sam the shield, uh, and you know all all of that kind of like Cassie Lang being five years older, sort of hinting that like we're gonna get Cassie in the Ant Man suit, which we get in the comics. Um, you know, like I guess that stuff is all sort of there, but it doesn't feel like that's the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. The point totally. Of, the point of the movie is to be itself and to be like a capstone on twenty plus movies. Uh, so yeah, I we, I think we we had a great time with it. Do you think that they have a Captain Marvel problem in the sense that like Captain Marvel is just so incredibly powerful? She is insanely <laughs> powerful. 
and I am hard pressed to come up with like a villain that you could put up against her that she wouldn't just take down immediately. Yeah, and in for that reason, it's a little bit like I'm. She's not in the movie very much. She's not in Endgame very much, and right. that's fine because she, uh, like this is paying off all that first set of like original Avengers characters and giving them a send off, and she's right. clearly part of whatever the future of Marvel Studios is. Right. Which, you know, in the same way that uh, Black Panther's not in this movie a lot and Spider-Man's not in this movie a lot. And, like, Doctor Strange isn't in this movie a lot. But by the same token, it's like she's there at the very beginning and then pieces out for kind of, like, not really clear reasons and then comes in at the end when, like, you need that super powerful character in order to kind of be that deus ex machina. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I, 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 I don't go to Deus Ex Machina necessarily, but, like, she certainly is, uh, like, they remove her from the board, and it's, it's reasons that are, like, bigger than, uh, like, just the importance of what the Avengers are up to, you know? Because, um, obviously, her whole thing is way bigger than just Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, that's also... I think I've expressed this on the show before that like I have a hard time buying into something when when we never go to Earth when like we're just space bound. Um, it feels like that much more removed from reality. Um, so like if the next Adventures of Captain America or uh, Marvel is like her zipping around space, I'm gonna have a harder time uh, like kind of being into that. So yeah, I mean I, I I am very curious to see what her next movie or movies will be. Um, but yeah, like as as a member of the Avengers, I guess she's just like Thor, really, in that regard. You know what I mean? Like, especially in Infinity War, like everyone's having a hard time beating back Thanos' army, and then Thor arrives and just like decimates them. I guess that's true. Also, it seems like the future of the Marvel Universe potentially could be very cosmic, because we have the Eternals coming up. Yeah. Yeah, it really, and the Guardians of the Galaxy, there's going to be another one of those. Thor is with them as Guardians of the Galaxy is a pun too good to not make a movie about. <laughs> uh, I, I thought they used time travel really smartly yep. in this movie. Like, I thought they used it in a way to surprise you, like, when Thanos dies in the first, like, 10 minutes. Yeah, But awesome. then is able to still be, like, the big bad of the movie. Uh, they, It wasn't a cheat when Gamora comes back, because it's like, she is dead. Like, the Gamora we knew is dead. But there's this other Gamora that can still exist in the Guardians of the Galaxy universe. And who uh, Peter has to uh, make tolerate him again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get to see that journey again. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I think uh, I think that's all. And, you know, uh, give, me a, give me a time travel story where uh, Steve can go back and uh, live a full life with Peggy Carter. Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's just I, my little heart will just break and be on the floor in pieces. And I'll be totally happy with that. My soul left my body when he fought himself. Oh my God! Yes, and he's like, I could do this all day, and he's like, I know. <laughs> I love that he's annoyed with his <laughs> old self. God, it's so good, and uh, I love the way um, Ant Man holds together the first like, or not the first act of the movie, but like the that whole five years later part before they start actually uh, like tripping through time. It gives the Scott Lang character like uh, meaning and weight in the franchise that he hasn't had. Uh, to that to that point yeah i thought it was just like really smart like the stuff that they were able to do is just like it was just really thoughtful use of all of the characters 
Yeah. And yeah, I mean, just from like a filmmaking logistics, that shoot, the fact that it existed, that that movie exists and works as well as it works is insane. It's just absolutely incredible. So after, after three years and three movies of Lord of the Rings movies, Peter Jackson gets all the awards imaginable for Return of the King, which isn't even the best Lord of the Rings movie. Um, and that's three years and three movies. Do you think we will see anything even close to that for the Avengers movies? No, I, I, I don't. But I think that as a like achievement in just like filmmaking stamina. Yeah. Like again, the fact that they were able to pull it off, I think it's a bigger deal than the Lord of the Ring movies. Yeah, totally. Um, it, although I mean, it's it's obviously a, a bigger. There are way more directors uh, and uh, screenwriters and everything. Um, but like this is the fourth uh MCU movie that the Russos have directed, right? Yeah. That's one more movie than Lord of the Rings. So I'm just saying, Peter Jackson, take a seat, buddy. <laughs> um, okay, I think I think we did it. We we, we talked about uh, Endgame. Let's uh let's close out this whole segment here and this whole show. That's gonna do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Thank you all so much for writing in. Uh, it has been a pleasure and a Darn good time answering all your questions. Yeah, and thank you to everyone who listens to the show at all. We yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, there's always a, a, a second when we put out like a call for questions or for listener input where we're like, maybe no one will answer and and no one listened to the show and we don't know anything about we'll anything. just cancel ourselves, <laughs> sink into the floor out of embarrassment. Uh, but that has not happened, so that is great. Please. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, share it on Facebook or Twitter uh, or wherever you share stuff. It helps us out tremendously. On Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. You can remember that because MKE is the airport code for Milwaukee International Airport. Um, and the show is at Nincart Society. You can check out the Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8 or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for writing and thank you for listening. Campfire.